0: All right. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome tonight to Your Questions, God's Questions. And uh, some of you are wondering about the music, the intro music. That's from one of our musicians, Sean Haynes. That's his guitar rendering of the song. I want to sing a new song, shout it out louder than before. So thank you, Sean, for all of your ministry and your work in our church and welcome tonight. Uh, we are going to get right into the questions for tonight. But I would remind you that if you have questions, comments, prayer requests, use the comments section in either YouTube or Facebook. And I will uh, be taking a look during the broadcast here. I am the producer, director, sound man, and everything else. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland, I'm the pastor of City Point Church. In the city of Brossard, in the province of Quebec, where we are currently uh, experiencing, you know, the proverbial lockdown, just like everybody else. And here in Quebec, we can actually have 10 people per room in a church building, but uh, no singing and all kinds of prohibitions. So we typically meet in a movie theater, so we are waiting for the theaters to actually open. They are currently shut Tight as a drum, but thank God for the technology that allows us to uh, communicate and to be together, albeit virtually. So, welcome tonight, and I would uh, just encourage you to hit that share button. This is a broadcast that's designed for people who are Christians, for people who are not Christians, for people who are anti-Christians, um, and as I often say, if you're looking for a church and you're unchurched, dechurched, post-churched, anti-church. Then uh, our church is your church, okay? And you are most welcome here. So thank you for joining in tonight. I am going to see if this share is going to work, and it does. Good. So tonight we're going to get to a couple of questions, and please give me some ammunition for next week uh, and questions that you want answered, some of you. You've got friends who are not Christian at all. They would love to ask a pastor's uh, opinion, ask a pastor a question, even a very direct and confrontational question. I don't mind that at all. I don't care where you're watching from. You could be in another country. doesn't matter to me. And we will post this on our Facebook and YouTube pages as well. We also have uh, audio on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Check us out online at citypointchurch.ca. So tonight, uh, first question, let's see if I can get this to move for you. Look at that. Okay, so what about body piercings? And this came up um, as a result of the question about tattoos, which we dealt with last week. And this is specifically about body piercings, a little bit different than tattoos, I suppose. Uh, because body piercings uh, look different uh, and you know when you've got many of them uh, wow they make quite a quite a visual statement um, and they're very popular people have body piercings in all kinds of strange places Um, they tend to be permanent Uh, I do not have one so I wouldn't know that for sure but they have quite a look. People have them in all kinds of organs, you know, mentionable, unmentionable, seen, unseen, It just all kinds of strange things. So is this right? Is this wrong? If a person's a Christian, is it right? Is it wrong to have a body piercing? Uh, Are people who have body piercings weird? Are they, you know, uh, worshipping some devil or something? Like, what is it? So, seems to be so grotesque in the minds of some. What about body piercings? Well, similar to tattoos in some ways, uh, but there's no specific prohibition in the scripture about body piercings. Um, Not specifically, so we dealt with the verse from uh, Leviticus which uh, last week, which clearly uh, stated that the marking of the body uh, for the dead and so on was a prohibition. But this clearly had a reference to worship of the occult. And so we talked about tattoos a little bit and how having a tattoo does not necessarily mean that a person is worshipping the occult or something. They may just be doing it for aesthetic purposes. You inspect the motive in uh, your own motives in this case. and you know. But, but there's no specific prohibition uh, against it, depending on the reason. Uh, body piercings, very, very similar. Uh, in fact, when we look into the scripture about body piercings, because we're looking into ancient history just get my Bible up here, Um, we do see that body piercings were actually fairly common uh, back in that time in history and in that culture. We even have in Ezekiel chapter 16, um, God speaking uh, through the prophet Ezekiel to the people in Jerusalem and how they were being unfaithful, and perhaps worshiping other other uh, religious views and gods, and so on. And here, God uh, reminds them of the the covenant that He had with them, that they were in violation of. And He says in verse eleven of Ezekiel sixteen, "I adorned you with jewelry; I put bracelets on your arms." And a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring in your nose. Earrings on your ears. And a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. And so on. And this was a sign of his love for them. His relationship with them. And the prophet's using this as an image. Uh, But if if God is against body piercings. Here it's a nose ring why would he use such an image as an image to represent the covenant that he had with these people so it, again we we get down to the question of motivation um and with body piercings because they can be so graphic um and so so uh they have a different look than tattoos and some people actually have body piercings and tattoos that's common too Uh, But there's quite a look to them. And the question would be, all right, if you're going to do that, uh, are you doing it because you're finding an identity in those things? Are you succumbing to some kind of a cultural peer pressure um, to have those things, you know, tattoos, nose rings? Um, So if those are the reasons, those may not be good motivations. How's this going to affect your life in the future? You know, it can affect really practical things like what kind of job do you want? Um, you know, you got nose rings and tattoos and, you know, earrings on your, or uh, piercings in your tongue or whatever. You know, that may affect uh, some job prospects for you down the road. You got to think about those things uh, before you do that because that's, that can be a permanent marking on and in your body. You got to think of safety things when you do stuff like that. So always look at the motivation. The moral here is you don't necessarily need a prohibition, a specific prohibition in the Bible to say, well, you know, common sense plus some principles that I see in the scripture could help me to make a choice here. So you've got to use the mind and the brains that God gave you uh, when you make some choices like this. And there's so many areas like this in the Christian life that can be these so-called gray zones. And it's very important for us to say, well, you know, what is a principle that we can understand? The Leviticus principle, clearly the tattoos were associated with worship of the occult of some sort. Same thing would ap- apply for body piercings. But a lot of people today don't do it for those reasons. But still, what reasons are we doing them for? And when we get down to the motives, then we can ask ourselves some questions. And and by the way, when you meet people, if you're opposed to these things, tattoos, body piercings, and so on, uh, it, it, don't look down with a condemnatory um, uh, attitude toward people who have those things. That's a choice that they've made. may not be your choice, but you don't know the motivation. You don't know the reason. So be careful, um, lest you, uh, to use the old saying, judge a book by its cover, okay? Uh, so I hope that helps a little bit in these areas. Uh, I don't see any comments coming through. Uh, But there's there's people on this on this broadcast who are sticking in here. So don't be shy, guys. Let me know where you're coming from. Let me let me know what you know, what's on your mind. Uh, Send me a comment. Send me a question. Okay, but uh, I don't want this to be just a little monologue here. But we're going to get to the second question of the night. And that is, what can we learn about COVID um, uh, or about the Bible, I should say? from covid now i take the position that uh when we have things in life like this this is a pandemic i would bet money that uh every single one of you who's watching unless you share this to about a million people over the next 10 minutes every single person who's watching this is the first time you've lived through a pandemic um I am of the view that when these things come, uh, whatever uh, tragedy, whatever catastrophe, uh, there is always something that we can learn. Uh, Because the Bible is no stranger to these things, and the people learn from these things in the Bible. And so uh, I think you can actually learn something about the Bible from this uh, pandemic that we're in, the coronavirus disease. Uh, the virus is called SARS-CoV-2. Some of you maybe who are watching have had it. Uh, some of you uh, or know people who have had it. I know about a, at least a dozen people who have had it. Um, I believe that there's some really key things we can learn about the Bible from uh, this virus. Um, uh, first thing, and I put it on the screen for you there, uh, what does the word variant mean? Uh variant is a word that we've started the year over the last month and uh all of a sudden it's part of people's vocabulary. You know, they talk about variants. What in the world is a variant anyway? And why do I bring this up? Well, some really interesting lessons uh we can observe about this. Um this virus is this is a coronavirus. Uh coronavirus is um, you know, you got this little ball. I'll put my hand on the screen. You got a ball here. And on this ball are these little spikes, spikes that come up off the ball like that. And that's kind of a rough schematic of what a coronavirus looks like. There's scores of them, I think, now that have been identified uh this one is not the first one uh we call this one S- SARS-CoV-2 sudden acute respiratory syndrome syndrome covid-2 not to be ex- uh confused with the first one from a few years ago this one is more deadly of course and um and more pervasive um but these coronaviruses are called that because of the spikes that come off the off the ball right? that, that they, It's like a crown or a coran in French. And those little spikes there, these are the things that get lodged into your lungs. They make their way in and they start to multiply. They are on a mission to survive. And they don't care uh, who they go into. They don't care. They just need a body. And they copy themselves Their genetic code copies itself over and over and over again into millions of times in a person's body to try and take it over. That's what a virus does. Uh, That's what the coronavirus does. Now, viruses, as they're copying themselves, they have variants. And this is the new word that we've been learning. And a variant is just that. The genetic code uh, is a little different in the copy. Uh, it's a, it's a mutation and the, the genetic sequence is a little bit different and I can get into diagrams and pictures of all this stuff, but it, it's a little too technical. Uh, but it's a change in the genetic code and that change is either going to survive or it's going to die, uh, one or the other. These variants that we're seeing in the population now are surviving because they're very contagious and, uh, so they live. And, but they're a different genetic code than the original so-called SARS-Coronavirus-2, and they've got new names for these variants and so on. What do these teach us about the Bible? <laughs> what does a, a, a coronavirus variant teach us about the Bible? Well, a couple of things. Touches on two areas. Uh, number one, uh, the, this is what we call natural selection at work. Before you hang up, those of you who are, who are you know, your strong Bible-believing Christian, uh, you you may be a young Earth creationist. I'm a young Earth creationist, by the way. That happens to be the viewpoint I hold to about origins. Um, natural selection is happening with this virus. It's still a virus. It hasn't changed into a car. It's a virus, but there are slight changes in the genetic code of this virus through a mutation, and maybe the mutation's gonna live, maybe it's gonna die, that's a variant. You, there's a very different, uh, there's two very, there's a big difference, I should say, between natural selection and Darwinian evolutionary theory. Uh, so we're not talking about the same thing. One is a mechanism for the other in the theory of Darwin's evolution but natural selection happens all the time. You and I who are watching are examples of natural selection because we're not clones of one another. Slight differences in our genetic sequences as well. You have various shades of skin, various colors, all kinds of little variations within the human race. That's because of natural selection, but we're still human, okay? So that's one thing to learn. If you're a Christian on the other end of this broadcast, do not be afraid of the term natural selection. That happens all the time. Darwinian, Darwinian evolutionary theory, where all life comes from a common ancestor, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. Now, um, another thing that we can learn, last thing, and you're so quiet tonight. I'm looking at these comments, and, you know, hello to Joelle. I'll put that back on the screen, and God bless you. Thanks for watching, Joelle. Uh, you're so quiet tonight. But um, the, the next thing that we can learn, and this is totally different subject, but also about the Bible. We have variants in the Bible. You say, what? How can a coronavirus variant <laughs> relate to the Bible in that way? I'll say it again. We have variants in the Bible, because the Bible that we have today, the Bible is a, a document, 66 books that we have in our canon of Scripture, and we've got the Bible because of copies that have been copied, That have been copied, that have been copied. The virus copies itself. These books of the Bible were copied for us by human hand, but thankfully, uh, kind of under the oversight of God. And when we try and figure out when we're reading the Bible, what is the Bible? Where did the Bible come from? Uh, Is the Bible to be trusted? Is the Bible accurate? Can I trust what I'm reading? It's all about the copies. How good are these copies? How old are these copies? How close to the time of the original are these copies? We don't have any originals. You don't have the actual Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so on. You don't have the actual books of Moses that Moses actually penned. You don't have those things. What you have are copies. How old are they? How many of them are there? What do they say? Now, with the Bible, and this is very easy to show, in particular with the New Testament, we have uh, thousands of these copies or manuscripts, and a manuscript can be a little verse that's been found on a scrap of papyrus, or it can be a whole book. We have thousands of these manuscripts that have been found, and they the date the earliest dates are very very early uh there's some controversy about this but there's a little scrap from the gospel of John that dates from around the 1st century that means this thing was copied so so fast and there are thousands of these copies when we take them all together and look at them they say more or less the same thing to about One percent, depends who you talk to. One percent, a percent and a half, half a percent. Again, depends on who you talk to. But you have an incredible consistency in these manuscripts. But you have these variants, you see. The same thing is true in the Old Testament. A little harder to prove, but you can do the same thing. Um, You have these variants where one manuscript says this, and another manuscript says that about the same passage. And so we say, well, what did the original actually say here? Because we've got one manuscript that says A and another manuscript that says A plus Let's just use an example. There's a slight spelling change. There's words that are reversed. There's numbers that are different. One number is represented this way. One number says this. is two different numbers, which is the right number. How many people were there? One manuscript says three. The other manuscript says six. How many were there? These are called variants, and there are many of them that you can find in the Bible. Good Bibles will actually tell you what the variants are, and you'll look in a footnote at the bottom of your page, and it will tell you some manuscripts say this, and some manuscripts say that. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of a variant here, just off the top of my head. This is a famous one, Um, and uh, it's famous because it's used by uh, cult groups uh, to argue against the Trinity. Um, so the, the variant is found in first John Bible's New Testament chapter five, uh, and, uh, it reads this way verses seven and eight for there are three that testify the spirit, the water and the blood and the three in agreement this is a conclusion to John's uh letter here and uh you have to read for the context but it's it's talking uh ab- about the appearance of Jesus and his work on the cross and so on and so where's the variant well uh there are other manuscripts that say this in verses 7 and 8 there are three that testify in heaven the father the word and the holy spirit and these three are one so the question is well what's it what did the originals say did the original say uh the spirit the water and the blood or did the original say the father the word and the holy spirit the answer is probably the former the spirit the water and the blood we think this is the case because the manuscript is much older this thing about the father the word and the holy spirit comes from a, a much newer manuscript closer to our time relatively speaking than the time of the events in question uh, but it's a it's a variant it's a classic example of a variant and you say well oh boy i don't know if i can trust the bible now excuse me of course you can does this does this variant affect any doctrine no you say well of course it does it affects the trinity really do you need one verse to demonstrate the trinity i could show you the the concept of the trinity from the book of genesis to the book of revelation i don't need just one verse that i'm not sure what the original said uh because of two words that you know is it the father the word the spirit is it the father is it the water or the blood the spirit i don't need that one verse i've got the whole bible so and that's the thing with these variants they don't affect doctrine uh they're very minor What we have here is a remarkable consistency in all of these manuscripts so that we have an assurance that we're like 99.5% sure of the contents of the Scripture. There are these little questions that we have about some verses. Uh, You multiply them over and over and over again, and it looks like a whole mountain of them, but they're usually quite trivial and quite small, and really quite insignificant to wrestle over. Um, You know, sometimes it's, was this passage here, or should it be here? We're not sure. Uh, When are we going to find out the answer? Well, when we meet the Lord one day, I suppose. Uh, But the point is, we can be very confident, even with these variants, that we have the actual Bible, and we can trust it. And what's really cool about the New Testament is we don't even need all these manuscripts. We can rebuild the whole New Testament just from the preaching of the early church fathers, 3rd century, 4th century, 5th century, and so on. Even starting a bit earlier than that, we could rebuild the whole whole New Testament without any manuscripts at all. That's how crazy fast this information spread across the Roman Empire in uh, the 1st century. Uh, so uh, I hope that those are helpful little insights for you about two very, very different subjects. Uh, so I'm going to finish. Uh, you're real shy tonight, but you all have tuned in. Uh this little group on here have tuned in really closely. So that means you're probably learning something and listening. Uh, but I'm going to pray for you before I, I finish tonight. And I remind you again to join us next week. Uh, we'll tackle another lead question. Hopefully, you'll have some and some comments some questions on your own. You can also communicate with me during the week at any time through our Facebook page or our website. I'd be happy to hear from you. God, I pray for each person tonight. You would bless them. Your presence would be real in their homes, in their households, in their families, in their relationships in their marketplaces, in their schools, in their places of work. Lord, that uh, people who who are questioning you, who don't know you, who uh, doubt your existence, would be challenged by your grace, by your patience, and by your love. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight. And uh, another last announcement. Uh, I will be continuing our video Bible study on A Clash of Kingdoms on Wednesday night at 7. That's a video Bible study an hour long. I uh, look forward to seeing some of you. Maybe Who know? I'm not sure who's on the other end here. And if you need more information about that, reach out to me and I will get you the Zoom link so you can join us. So God bless you tonight and uh, enjoy the snow that is coming. Bye-bye, everyone.